Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ryan, I truly cannot believe I'm going to come on this program today and say that I like Brad Marchand today. (laughs) (laughs) That was not in my uh, Stanley Cup playoffs bingo card. I'll say that. No, it absolutely was not. But for some reason, Brad Marchand finally did something. Well, I guess this is the second thing he's ever done that I liked. Because the first thing was when he missed that puck in the shootout. Oh, that was still. One of the all-time moments right there. but Unintentional, but very good. Yes, this was very intentional. And if you're <laughs> not up on your hockey, if you completely tuned out after the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers were eliminated uh, and just played one of their worst seasons in franchise history, I understand. But if you're not in the know, what happened yesterday was Brad Marchand got in the head of one Tony D'Angelo. And it was really funny because... I was just complaining that the ESPN broadcast was kind of pumping his tires. I think they had some quotes from Don Waddell where he was like talking about like what a smooth passer Tony D'Angelo is and everything. And again, I I don't know that everybody is as up and up on who Tony D'Angelo is. Uh, He he is one of South Philly, South Jersey's, uh, I'm not going to say finest, but he's he's from around here. He's from here. And he... Uh, might be known for, you know, leaning very, very far to the right. And he also might be known for uh, maybe getting in his goaltender's face last year and calling him a commie. And, well, allegedly, allegedly. We don't we don't know that this actually happened, but there were some reports that he said some things and he may have stolen a teammate's puck. And, you know, regardless, like, this is all stuff that's all troubling and he was released by the Rangers for a reason. And I, uh, we were all disappointed when the Carolina Hurricanes, a beloved team around this league for being a bunch of jerks. Uh, beloved amongst younger fans, not the, the old school fans. They they called yeah. them a bunch of jerks. They didn't like them, but we liked them. And then they picked up Tony D'Angelo and then my like of them went down way, way down. And why am I happy about Marshand? Because Marshand got in his face yesterday and started screaming at him after they had like a little tussle or whatever. He started screaming like, you're racist, you're racist. And he even turned <laughs> to the ref at one point and said like, it's true. Yeah, that was my favorite part is the ref was like, hey, come down. He's just like, it's true. You know it. <laughs> like, it's, just, <laughs> it's so funny to me. And it's, it's funny that this is happening because last week we were talking about like our rankings of like who we want to win the cup. And 
I kept saying like, let's bump the hurricanes up a little higher. And you were like, no, Tony D'Angelo doesn't, doesn't deserve it at all. And like now that this is, cause I wasn't expecting Tony D'Angelo really. Cause he's for the most part, he's been like pretty quiet this year. Like we haven't really heard much of from him at all. I'm sure that's Rod Brindamore saying, shut the fuck up. Probably. I would think it is. But like, so someone is clearly telling him to like chill out. And yesterday he was absolutely not chill at all. And um, yeah, so now I'm oddly rooting for uh, for the Bruins to win this series. And honestly, I kind of like being on Brad Marchand's like side with this whole thing. It's kind of fun. Like, I- I'll say this, I, like, it's really easy to dislike Marchand. He's like really annoying on the ice and. Um, he just seems to always score that big goal against your team. You know what I mean? Oh, all the time. He's an incredibly clutch player. He's yeah. I, I he is a guy. I hate his guts on the Bruins, but right. he would be one of my all-time flyers if he was here easily. Maybe, like, maybe not for the no licking. question at all. But the, the licking was still weird. Like, but <laughs> people, people t- like when they think of Marchand, they think of like you know the. They're dirty slew foots and they think of the licking and all that, which it was weird as hell. But like from everything I've heard, like off the ice, I've heard he's nothing but a genuinely terrific human being. So like, I guess it is kind of cool to be rooting for him a little bit. Like after the series, go go to hell. Like I don't, (laughs) I'm not going to be rooting for him again. But like right now it's like, yeah, I guess it's kind of cool to be, to be on the, the dark side for a little bit. Yeah, it was just funny to also see somebody so completely get in another player's head and affect his game like that happened to D'Angelo in that game. Because at the end of the game, D'Angelo did just one of the most unprofessional things you can do, and he threw his stick in frustration (laughs) at the puck that was going into the net for the empty netter that clinched the game. Yeah, it was pretty insane. That's like the thing that, you know, like a... 10 year old would do that after, you know, having a goal scored against them. It's just, it's insane. Real big baby energy from Tony D'Angelo there. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a little bit of Odell Beckham Jr. when him and Josh Norman were going at it that one time. And Odell was just like losing his mind. And Josh Norman was like, like he owned him that day. And yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that whole saga. It's almost the other side of the coin from when Hartnell threw his glove. Because that was just fun, you know, Hartsy being Hartsy. And I I think people just enjoyed that moment. And this was more, this guy was throwing a fit and he just came off really bad. And, you know, he's had maturity issues in the past. I think that's why he's no longer on the Rangers. Again, it's all allegedly. We're not in the locker room. We don't know this stuff, but you hear this stuff secondhand. And I know it's been a big issue. So I'm going to throw that allegedly word in there a bunch. But he clearly has a lot of growing up to do and a lot of, uh, well, I don't agree with his opinions at all about anything, right? It's very clear that we are politically on opposite sides here, but other guys are smart enough to keep that shit to themselves. Uh, you look at like Bryce Harper, for instance, with the Phillies where Bryce Harper, he certainly has a lot of stuff in his social media presence that alludes to a side and it makes you suspicious where you're just like, Hmm, but he never definitively (laughs) puts it out there. So you can't, it's hard to get too like upset about it, but it's in the back of your mind. Right. But he's smart enough to not put that stuff out there. And D'Angelo at the bare minimum, dude, just stop putting it 
blatantly out there, but he's just, again, he's, he's not a mature player. He's not a particularly smart player. He's very gifted offensively, not so much on the defensive end. As Craig used to say, and I was glad he put that out there with the tweet the other day, he's just Tony Angelo because he's got no D. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of funny because earlier this season, I was like weirdly proud of Tony D'Angelo because I think there was something going on in the NHL where they, they like, like a widespread thing where I think it was about COVID. They were asking all these different players about COVID and someone asked Tony D'Angelo, Hey, what do you think about the whole COVID thing? Like, I think it was in the middle of like, um, when there were a lot of really like a lot of cases going on and it caused like Provorov to miss games and Provorov was, he had a lot of comments. Someone asked Tony D'Angelo, what are your thoughts on it? And he was like, honestly, I would give you my opinion, but I don't think anyone want, really wants to hear my opinion. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's at least it's a sign of what's the word I'm looking for. It's uh well, it's um, some maturity, right? At least yeah, like, like common sense has come in a little bit, but I think it's more the, the Hurricanes PR from day one was painfully aware that this guy is a ticking time bomb. And yeah. they they knew they needed to babysit him with these opinions and everything and say, like, yeah. Tony, please, for the love of God, do not put sound bites out there. We don't need this. Self-aware. That's the word I was looking for. Like, it sounded like he was a little more self-aware. So I was just like, oh, maybe he's like... You know, not a huge piece of shit anymore. And um, <laughs> doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case. Yeah, that, that dude is right back to slapping up those stakes and getting out there and slicking back his hair. And it was just a huge piece of shit. Let me tell you, I cannot stand Tony D'Angelo personally. And I was very happy to see this. I can't believe I'm team Marshan for once. That's that's a, been a fascinating series so far, too. A lot of back and forth. Uh, I feel like a lot of these games have been either real tight overtime like affairs or just huge blowouts. And yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of like games decided in the first few minutes. But I, I really I think this one's going seven right now. I do. Too. So I actually had the Hurricanes winning in five. I thought they were going to blow the oh, broom. Wow water and now i'm thinking there's a lot of series that i think are going to seven right now because like i thought um you know i thought tampa was gonna blow toronto out of the water believe it oh no actually i thought they were gonna go to six games excuse me i thought they were going to six i thought boston was gonna get blown out of the water um i thought a couple other series were gonna get I, like i thought the flames were gonna kill the stars and that's turned out to be a pretty good series um and then there's like the Oilers and Kings. I love that that one's going to seven. Oh, that, like, that series that's has been awesome. Series. Yeah. And then the, the, the only one that really has disappointed is, well, not disappointed, but pretty much gone according to plan so far is Avalanche Predators just to, yeah, to that's annoy over. Eamon over there. But, you know, the Avalanche are just that damn good. And, you know, I feel bad for the Preds because they did, you know, number one, they were missing their number one goaltender for the first two games, which is a huge problem. And it's a real shame because in that second game, their backup goaltender just stepped up to the plate so amazingly and they still lost the game. Yeah, I just need I just need Jonathan Quick to return to like his 2012 form just a little bit because I got I want I just... I so badly want the Kings to win this series just because I kind of want to see what will happen with the Oilers if they lose another 
playoff series. Oh, I'd love to see the blow up there. And there's going to be a lot of fascinating moves with that. Uh, quick shout out. I, I was Connor Ingram was the name of the goaltender that really crushed it in game two for the oh, Predators yeah. and still lost. He had 49 saves on 51 shots against one of the best offenses in the NHL and a guy I've never heard of. So that was a, a really impressive effort from him. And I, I feel like I've seen so many goaltending injuries and issues already in the playoffs which is wild i'm glad quick is at least you know a semblance of his old self right now but if you look at what's happening to the penguins right now with goaltending actually it's kind of stunning what's happening with them because casey de smith went out and he's out for the rest of the playoffs but louis deming is it deming or domingue i think it's deming it's Domingue, yeah. Yeah, I, it looks like it should be Domingue, but it's Domingue. It's just like uh, Tim Stutzla, where I see it and it says Stutzel in my head, and it's like, no, yeah. it's Stutzla. Okay, Stutzla. But anyway, and I back think to it's Louis, Louis too. Louis, okay, so Louis Domingue. I got it all wrong. There we go. <laughs> Louis Domingue, really stepping up. Pittsburgh's leading that series 2-1 to one right now, and this is, of course, the series I wanted to go 7. If neither team could win, I'd be happy. <laughs> it's... They're just going to beat each other up, and then in the second round, I don't, I don't think they'll have enough energy left to take on like a team much better than them. I certainly hope so, because right now, our number one team that we're rooting for, the Panthers, they're in trouble. Washington's up 2-1 to one in that series. I'm not happy with what's going on there, like at all. I thought the Panthers were going to run away with that series, and like they just haven't looked offensively. They just haven't been up to their standard, which... I kind of get because like it's really hard to sustain the amount of offense that they've been able to like kind of produce over the last god the whole year really. It's amazing that they've been able to like consistently keep that up for as long as they already have. But like I just wonder if like they're going to need to rely more on Bobrovsky to win this series and like Bobrovsky at this point in his career ain't necessarily a uh, you know a game changing goalie, you know. <laughs> and I'm a little little worried about that but oh, I, so I, real quick i do want to bring back uh louis domingue real quick so i was so impressed with his performance in that triple overtime game because he came in like what was it like the third overtime or second overtime i think, I think it was the second overtime over? because i promptly put a bet down on the rangers to win that game because i thought it was <laughs> going to happen in the next like two minutes because he was just not ready and right. it was the opposite he was rested he was ready and he crushed him for the rest of it well, I was so impressed that I am legitimately thinking of buying his cookbook that he made. Excuse me? Louis Domingue has a cookbook. He, apparently, he loves to cook and he loves to bake. Big fan of pie, apple pie. Oh, my God. Don't, don't tell me he's got a Louis Domingue pie, a lemon Domingue pie instead I of don't, meringue. I don't know if he has – this is actually a really good question. I don't know if he has the names of his signature uh, dishes or anything like that, but he has – a book called Baking Goals. Oh my god! And I'm gonna send you the uh, I'm gonna send you the book right now in Slack, and Baking you'll get to see it for yourself. Goals. And there's a bunch of videos of him online, just like saying, "All right, add two cups of sugar." <laughs> like he's baking. Like he has a career after hockey and as like a professional baking person. Oh, what a! It's just baker. <laughs> you had it right there. You went for baking person. You have the word right there. Baking goals. What a cover that is. Oh my God. He's. I guess he couldn't wear a team's jersey in there. Oh, he's got an apron and his goalie gear. I say, <laughs> wow. That is I guess a... his catching, I guess his glove is like the oven mitt 
or something? I guess it is. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a uh, oh Louis Deming. Who would have thought? I can't wait to see him show up on MasterChef. <laughs> Dude, I would. I want nothing more than that. Like Louis Deming has become one of my favorite hockey players. Like out of nowhere over the last couple of days. Just like I didn't know about this whole cookbook thing, and now I'm just obsessed. Louis, Louis, you're no longer <laughs> on the ice. You're in the kitchen. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> I want it so bad. I, I, yeah, it's an it's a hell of an effort from him right now because the Penguins, they're such a weird team. I don't know what to make out of them. And right now, the Rangers are really falling victim to their just lack of defense outside of Adam Fox. It's just not a team. I, poor Justin Braun is in there, and you know he's just kind of been thrown into the mix. But that's just not a team known for their defense, and you're really seeing it. The Penguins are just putting up points on them right now. Yeah, they're known. For, I mean. <sighs> The Rangers aren't a good team. Like, they have Shesterkin, who is like, without Shesterkin, I'm like legitimately not sure they make the playoffs. You know, I can't believe they lost that first game with Shesterkin. He had such a monumental effort and they just completely let him down. Yeah, it was insane. And I I don't know, like, Shesterkin's just, I hope this, well, actually, I kind of do hope he suffers the same fate because it would be hilarious. But like, like, I feel bad that Longquist never won a cup. And he was like a career ranger. He was with them forever. And like, um, you know, he, he like by all accounts, he should have won a cup with the Rangers, but he didn't because the team was never good enough. I feel like that is kind of the road that like Shesterkin is on right now, where it's like the team around him just isn't good enough to win a cup, but he's amazing. Henrik Lundqvist is easily one of the best players to never win a cup. He might even be the best goaltender to never win a cup. I think so. I don't know who else would be. Like, goalie-wise, I don't know who would be better. Right, because most of the great goalies won a cup. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. that it's that simple. Like, Brodeur obviously won a ton. I used to well, think... Steve Mason never won a cup. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Steve Mason is better than Lundqvist, but, you know, oh! to each their own. That's a piping hot take. That take is so hot that Louis Domingue needs his goalie all, pads to come out of, to take it out of the oven. That's his complete trollery right now. Louis Domingue's hot takery is the only place you can get those kind of takes right there. <laughs> Good the bakery Lord. for hot takery. The hot takery, one of uh, my my great gems from back in the day, and uh, Albert from BSH. It's briefly turned that into a website. I was uh, always like, oh yeah, the hot takery. I came up with that. That's uh, an old Steve term right there. But, man, Henrik Lundqvist, just what a wasted career. And if he wasn't a Ranger, I'd feel bad for him. But he was a Ranger, so. <laughs> <laughs> I still kind of feel bad for him, to be honest with you. I almost feel bad for him, but he's handsome and he plays guitar. So who gives a shit? He's having Is a great Is he handsome, life. though? Because I hear he's ugly. That's, you know, I have to disagree with, uh, with one of the most famous BSH articles on that front. Because. <laughs> It's the handsome man, you know, it's, uh, listen, the guy's got it going on for himself so he can go ahead and just, uh, enjoy his no cup and, and hang out. He, is he allowed to even touch the cup if it comes around? Because they had on the TNT, one of the TNT NBA shows the other day, they, they brought the cup over. I think Rick Tockett brought the cup over and each of the guys on the the pregame show was, was holding the cup over their head and everything. And the one guy who wouldn't touch it was Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley had wanted no part of that. Yeah. He was like, I know not to touch it. He was like, yeah, it's the hardest trophy in sports to win. Like you're not supposed to touch any championship trophy, which like, honestly, I kind of respect that. Like if I ever see any trophy, 
unless I win it personally, which I never will, because like, I think at this point it's safe to say that I'm never going to be a professional athlete. <laughs> like, I feel like I wouldn't want to touch it because it just wouldn't feel right. You know, oh, like I, I would like to touch it, but I don't think I should. I, I am, I'm doing like bench presses with the cup. If I get a chance to hold it, I'm <laughs> drinking every substance known to man out of the cup. It's going to be just terrible. Like, you know, when you're playing Kings and they had the Kings cup and it's just all that disgusting, like whatever, you know, people oh, pour God. into it. Yeah. Give that to me. All right. I'll do Kings with the Stanley cup and I'll drink out of the Kings cup and it'll be amazing. I'll drink the most disgusting shit out of there. And you know what? It's going to be great. Cause it's the Stanley cup. <laughs> it's just, been everywhere it's it's the trophy i'm holding the shit out of that but i do respect charles for that take on that one sir charles knows what's up and if i was an nhl player that didn't win it yeah i would not touch it at all yeah no but i'm not an nhl player far from it i can't even run it up and down a ball hockey court so (laughs) give me that cup baby what would you put in the cup if you like actually did win it as an athlete let's see i i i my favorite ones are usually like, I love when people put cereal in there. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. I would just put a tall beer. Like I would put just a bunch of beer in there and just drink beer out of it. And it'd be amazing. Like something that I could drink for a while. Not like, not like whiskey or something where you have a sip and you're like, <laughs> well, I'm going to bed. I think I would put, I'd put two things in there. I would put just a ridiculous amount of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream in there <laughs> and then after that after i i'm, I'm gonna wash it um because you know you got to do the dishes and then i would put in like a fuck ton of vault do you remember vault that drink that was basically mountain dew <laughs> i i think i remember the name but i certainly never drank vault it was like it was good it was like a, it I'll was like a word. soda energy drink hybrid that sounds and like death it, oh man, it was insane. Like I remember back in 2007, the whole thing, like I apparently like the thing to do as like a young, like high school student would be to like, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, just like get on Xbox live, play Halo three with your buds and just drink a fuck ton of vault to stay up until like 4am. You know, that's, I, I can, you know, I, I never really played Halo too much, but I know the, I know the experience of staying up till like 4am playing video games with your friends. I know that very well. Okay. So you go with Vault. I'd probably go with a, a, a nice middle of the road, like uh, alcohol percentage beer, not too much of an ass kicker, something I could drink. I'm, I'm a little bit of a beer snob. So like I, I will drink like I don't know, a high life or something, if that's the option, right? But yeah. that's not usually my first go-to. And I, I won't touch, like, Coors Light, because I think that just tastes god-awful. But, you know, a nice middle-of-the-road, like, uh, IPA, something I could drink, like, for a while, that'd be nice. I would do that. and uh, Or I could go with my Eagles Super Bowl choice, but that was more of out of necessity, where I poured a bunch of rum into a Dr. Pepper bottle, and I just started <laughs> running down Broad Street with my rum and Dr. Pepper I feel like there's some, there's one guy, I can't remember who it was. He put like Putin or like, not Putin. What, what's that one thing they have in Canada where it's like gravy and French fries or something? Oh, poutine. Poutine. Yeah. So I was close. Yeah. Poutine. And he put like, it was just filled with poutine in the cup. And uh, I'll be honest with you. It didn't look great to me. Poutine is very tasty, but it's incredibly heavy because it's, I mean, it's French fries, gravy, 
and cheese curds three of the heaviest foods you could think of yeah. really and it, it's just incredibly heavy you can have like a small portion of poutine but i, I imagine if you're a hockey player who can <laughs> take on a lot of carbs and work it all off on the ice then you can eat a lot more poutine than i can but i can't even eat more than like three hot dogs and dollar dog night anymore so i i can't speak to how much a hockey player could eat versus my old shitty body <laughs> Speaking of hot dogs, maybe I'd put some hot dogs in the Stanley Cup like Phil Kessel did. Mm, yes, yes. Phil Kessel, the hot dog master himself. <laughs> I he, uh, he, he knows what's up. Yeah, he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think I just have to go with beer. Beer is like the perfect thing to put in there. I do like your ice cream suggestion, though. That's a, that's a top-notch suggestion. Love some ice cream. Great idea. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not even a big ice cream guy, but for some reason that just feels right. Oh, I, I, I'd eat ice cream all day if I could. It's like two things. Like I have a a three-year-old mentality or maybe like a seven-year-old because three-year-olds really shouldn't <laughs> be having this much. But like, if it was possible, I would just drink soda all day. I would just drink it nonstop because I love it so much. And ice cream, those two things I would just have constantly. But, you know, you can't do that because you'll die. <laughs> it's bullshit man i hate this this is not what i signed up for i didn't sign up for any of this i didn't ask to be what what am i saying i don't know what i'm saying talking about the panthers and capitals again real quick though do you <laughs> think i mean at this point it's not looking great for the cats but it's only two to one and as we just saw the sixers tied up with the miami heat it, nothing is over, and uh, Washington is known for going seven games and blowing it, and I think there's still a good chance for the Panthers, but they really have to get their shit together, and I'm disappointed by the lack of scoring in this series. I thought this was going to be a bunch of, like, six to five games. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for, too. I thought it was going to be, like, the, um, you know, the the Flyers-Penguins series, minus all the, you know, the crazy, you know, like, fighting and stuff. I thought it was going to be, like, in terms of scoring, something like that, and that hasn't necessarily been the case like it, i know it's been like what four two six one and then like five one or maybe it's like the opposite i don't know but yeah like one team has scored a lot of goals in each game but i was hoping it was going to be like six five like every game or something like that and that hasn't been the case and i don't know there, i mean there's still plenty of time to go like it's not, I mean, the series isn't over. Like, I know they played tonight at seven o'clock, so we're going to be watching Captain Claude go out there and do his thing. But, like, hopefully the Panthers will kind of, you know, they'll find their offense a little more tonight and um, they'll they'll put together a more uh, complete performance. Because last, last game on, you know, on Saturday was just, that was just a terrible game from them. And I have a hard time believing that they're going to allow a game that bad to happen two times in a row. Just terrible. Four to two. Five to one, six to one were the scores in that. And it's, yeah, I feel like a lot of these series are like that where, uh, for instance, uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay, right? Like the first game, five, nothing Leafs, uh, then five, three lightning, five, two Leafs, seven, three lightning. It just seems like they're, they're really getting out of hand pretty quickly, especially that lightning. Uh, the lightning got out to a huge lead last night and pretty much just sat <laughs> yeah. on it for the rest of the night. It was just a, a slaughter. And the, I couldn't believe that the Maple Leafs left Jack Campbell in there to just suffer. Dude, that was so weird. I was watching and I just like, I felt so bad for Jack Campbell because he does not deserve that fate at all. Like I, I I'm a huge Jack Campbell fan and um, I don't know why I can't tell you why, but um, yeah, I, I figured this is insanely strange that they're keeping him in the game right now. And um, 
Yeah, and then they brought in the, I can't even remember their backup's name. Like, I don't even know. The, it's like a young kid, I think. But That's his name, a young kid. They, I don't know what was going on last night with Michael Bunting, but they hate, like, the, the Lightning hate Michael Bunting a lot. And I don't know what he did, but he was talking mad shit to everybody. And it's just like, damn, there's going to be a, this sounds like a little, little storyline to watch in the next few games. Eric Kalgren is the backup for Toronto. That poor boy. That poor bastard. Let me tell you, Eric Kalgren. And then with the West, I, you know, like, I, I think the Avalanche series is done. The Predators just, there's no way they're winning four straight games. There's just not no, a chance in hell. Not happening. I'm a little surprised the Flames are down to the Stars right now. I am too. I thought they were going to kill the Stars. And the Stars are putting them up, putting up a much better fight than... I thought, and that honestly, speaking of fighting, that whole series has been way chippier than I thought it was going to be too. I knew like every playoff series, there was going to be like some chippiness, but like they have been like brawling, <laughs> like every single game and like and surprise, surprise that from Kachuk these is in teams. the middle of all of it. Yeah, of course. Kachuk is going to be in the middle of all that, but who would expect that from the flames and stars? I, I don't understand. I, honestly, I kind of want to root for the stars to just close them out because then the flames, you know, Johnny Gaudreau will just be so upset with the experience that he'll just have to come home. Future flyer, Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, that'll be the start of, of his downfall in Calgary. And the uh, the beginning of his road to Philadelphia. Yeah, I thought you were going to say his downfall for his career coming to Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, uh, now, uh, yeah, now I'm having thoughts come in my head of what could happen if he signs here. And I'm just trying to stay positive. Think positive, <laughs> Ryan. If he signs here, can he just take off for a year so we can continue to tank and get Bedard? Dude, I know. Really. I mean, and that... It's it it's it's funny we're talking about this because like I don't know I I've just have been having like these nightmares about like you know what if the Flyers go big and they get some like really big name star players this off season and then it just all crumbles and it doesn't work like the whole Ryan Ellis thing and it's just I know that's like doomsday mentality but it's just I feel like we're just so scarred as a fan base right now that it's just like it's hard to think positively. Well, there, nobody saw, except for the, the advanced stats nerds that I've uh, mocked so much by calling them nerds, but those guys were the only ones that really called the Flyers having such a terrible season, and they were 100% right. I don't know how they, I don't know how they predicted this, but because in theory, it seemed like the Flyers upgraded in most areas, and they had, I don't know, like if they just played better defense last season and had better goaltending, had baseline goaltending, they probably would have made the playoffs. And then this coming into the season, it seemed pretty simple. Play better defense, have better goaltending, you should succeed. And it just was a complete and abject disaster. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised they made a big push again and the same thing happened. And then Chuck was out on his ass because Chuck Fletcher knows this is his last big chance right here. And yeah. it's got to hurt him as far as like being the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. Like there's that rumor that went around, what was it two weeks ago? That was completely unfounded. that the Flyers are going to uh, put Chuck at president and Briere is going to be GM and blah, blah. I don't buy that for today. I buy that for maybe a year from now, but not today. And number one, I don't think you should ever, promote somebody who has failed like chuck has and yeah like why would you promote someone who's done a bad job right that's hockey for you that's hockey men culture right there but 
you should really get that guy out of the organization. They really need to scrap almost everybody in the hockey operations side of the organization right now because it's been so bad. And yeah, there was a lot of bad luck this past season, but ultimately it still falls on Chuck Fletcher for putting together this team and everything that happened, you know, shit happens, but you got to adjust to that. It's just how it is. And this team completely fell apart and became one of the worst teams in Flyers history. You know what would help? Turn this team around, Steve. What's that, Ryan? A good coach. Imagine that. We thought we had one in Elaine Vigneault and his ass crew. Big Al and the ass crew, RIPD. But we did not. It was not the right fit. Rangers fans were 100% right about that one. And then Mike Yo had to... It it was the right fit at first. At first. That first season was the most fun flyer season I feel like I've seen. Like, ever. As a Flyers fan, now granted, I've only been a Flyers fan for like ten years now, no, so poor like it's not exactly not long. Much. Size, but like, still, that was like the most fun I had being a Flyers fan that first year with Vigneault. Oh boy, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> I know, but like that was, but it was a legitimately fun year. And then COVID, I still wonder if COVID had some sort of impact on Vigneault and like you know altered his his uh, enthusiasm to coach. Because some, something happened after COVID, and it just screwed everything up. Well, the interesting thing is the Flyers made it to the bubble, and then they started just locking things down. And they were actually fine through the, the qualifiers. They ended up as the number one seed going into yeah. the playoffs, which is wild to think about where we are now. And then they had a series against the Montreal Canadiens and completely locked everything down on the roster and just started matching this Canadiens energy. And... It was all downhill from there because they never started playing good, fun hockey ever again. They really would not. It's wild to think about. And Vigneault, yeah, I'm sure it did, but it also affected a lot of the the players on the team. I think the Flyers were, at least from my perception, affected more mentally than any other team in the NHL by what happened with COVID. Uh, You know, Carter Hart was affected big time. He admitted to that. Travis Konechny was affected. I think Scott Lawton had some effects. And it it was tough on a lot of the younger guys, especially. And I know the bubble situation was tough for some guys. And you saw the Lightning obviously adapted well to the bubble, but not everybody did. I, like, forgot that the bubble was a thing. Like, Like, well, so I remember the bubble was a thing, but I forgot, like, how like they all stayed in the same hotel and it was almost like, it was almost like a school field trip where everyone's like in the same hotel building. And like you, you would see them down in like the little restaurant downstairs. You know what I mean? Like that, it's just such a funny thing to think about, but yeah, that was a weird, it was a weird time. And like, granted, I'm not trying to say that Vigneault doesn't deserve some semblance of blame for what has happened. Like, he became a really not great coach after like the 2020, 21 season, he was awful. And then this year he was just straight up disastrously bad. But I just wonder what happened, what happened to make that happen and to create that whole downfall. And I don't know, we might never know, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate the way it all just kind of came crumbling down. All came crumbling down, really just, it's stunning to think about where we are now versus where we were then. We were flying high and really thinking, and the Flyers ran into, I think, maybe the worst two opponents stylistically that they could have in the 
Montreal Canadiens and New York Islanders where just teams yeah. that, that slowed them down and frustrated them. And Vigneault lost the locker room at some point and never got them back. So this is what makes this next head coach so interesting. So Mike Yo has been basically on janitorial duties for the past uh, couple months, just mopping up this slop all day and shockingly not going to be back as the Flyers head coach next year. I was, I was almost tempted to you know, advocate for him to be in there for one more year just to do the tank for Bedard because I really want Bedard. But, yo, I wouldn't want to do what he's had to do for the past few months. It looks absolutely terrible. And Chuck Fletcher said it himself, like, he was dealt a really bad hand. But, dude, like, no. he, he, Like, I think he won, what, like, 12 games as the Flyers coach? And he was the coach for most of the season. I I don't know. I, I can't. Uh, yeah, you can't bring him back after that. I'm well, sorry. We, like, we knew, well, also, we knew Mike Yo really wasn't an NHL coach even heading into this situation. He was just dealt that hand because who else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, right. Who else are you going to put at the job unless you were going to bring in a guy midseason? And there was one guy who was an option who was just swept up right before the Flyers could even get to firing AV. And that's, and that's Bruce Boudreaux, who... Yeah. We all know Bruce Boudreaux from his time with the Washington Capitals. I always like to think of the uh, Road to the Stanley Cup special on HBO where he walks into the (laughs) mall and goes, I smell food. And Bruce Boudreaux, he looks like a Three Stooges character. He looks really kooky. (laughs) But this is one of the best offensive coaches in the game. The job he did with the Vancouver Canucks this past season, getting that team back on track, and having them play fun hockey really was something else. And... He's just always won in the regular season everywhere he's gone to. The problem with Bruce Boudreaux is once you get into the playoffs, he kind of collapses. He's not really a defensive mastermind over there. And he'll get you a lot of fun hockey, but he might not necessarily get you to the cup, which we saw with Washington year after year. And he might be available. We're not sure yet. The Canucks need to decide by June 1st on his option year. So we have like three or three-ish weeks to make that decision right now. What do you think about Boudreaux as a potential coach if he is available for the Philadelphia Flyers? So I love Bruce Boudreaux a lot. Um, I got really familiar with him when I was covering the Wild a couple years ago, and he was obviously the Wild's coach at the time. He got fired mid-season, but it wasn't that he didn't get fired because he was doing a poor job. At that time, that Wild team was just so bereft of any high-end talent it was really disappointing and just hard to watch they were boring that i mean that was the most just bleh team i had ever watched and um it's it's so fitting that they fired him and then immediately the next year kirill kaprizov comes in and changes the entire trajectory of the of the franchise really i like brujero a lot i think one thing i really like about him and this is something flyers fans would just salivate over is he talks a lot about POPs pass off the pads. So I think a problem that the flyers have is like, you know, they'll be coming in on a two on one and they'll just go for the cross ice feed that the defender sees coming a mile away. And then they just shut down the two on one rush. And Boudreaux would always talk about POPs, POPs, take a shot off the goalie's pad, create the rebound and allow your, the other guy on the rush to, to put away the rebound and score a goal. Like, that's I, that's just one little thing that he talked about all the time, but I remember that stuck with me a lot. That's my bread and butter in NHL video games right there, is Dude, it, it taking works. a shot and getting the rebound. Yeah, always. And like, 
that's something that actually works in the NHL. And that's something that like you see successful teams do that all the time. And um, the Flyers, for whatever reason, they're just so pass happy. And um, I don't know. Uh, again, that's not that's like one tiny area of his system. But like he's he's a very, very like he's very good at putting together offensive teams that score lots of goals. And um, I would love to see him in Philadelphia. He's he's a great dude. And he's just a fun guy, and he's the kind of dude that I think players r- would really gravitate towards. The only thing that makes me nervous is his age. I think he's like seventy years old, so that's a little that's a little up there. But regardless of the age, I would love to have Bruce Boudreaux come to Philadelphia. I think he would be a perfect fit because he's pretty outspoken too, and he tells it like it is. Yeah, and you need that with this Flyers team. And the thing is, I as a hockey fan, want a fun coach. I I want a guy who is going to drive up that offense. The Flyers have been so boring offensively for years now. I, it's just difficult to watch. It makes, it just sucks the joy out of hockey. And I saw some tweets going around about how attendance had dropped this past season, which should not surprise anybody because this team was just unbearable to watch. Why would you want to watch this team? Why would you want to pay good money and I think it was also ratings went down drastically. Like, yeah, of course. Why would you even want to spend your time watching this team? I only was watching this team because I do this podcast. If I didn't do this podcast, I would have tuned yep. out months ago. Yeah, no, it was it was hard for me to watch this team when, like, like if I was working for NBC Philly doing, like, digital stuff, then, yeah, I would watch the team because I had to. But if I didn't have to watch the team, I'd be like, hey, anyone want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings or something like and watch a basketball game? Not the Flyers. That sounds like a good time. I would watch literally any other hockey game than the Philadelphia Flyers. I probably yeah. I wouldn't have picked up another team, but I would have just casually watched other games. Uh, Boudreaux is 67 years old, and I would just love to see his systems. You know, the the two on ones you mentioned—that's one of the been the Flyers' problem as long as I can remember. Uh, this has been one of the worst teams in shootouts forever, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the creativity and the coaching they're getting up front. I don't know why the Flyers just always been cursed with shootouts. It's it's a problem for sure. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing is the goddamn power play. I will hire yeah. any coach that can fix this power play because. There's the wasted opportunities that this team gets because they have guys that can draw penalties. Kevin Hayes can draw penalties. He's got his big body when he's really bustling in there, you know, like he's a guy who draws penalties. Travis Konechny yaps it up until he get he draws a penalty himself. Farabee with his, you know, skating and his speed into the offensive zone can draw penalties. They're getting the power play opportunities, but they're never capitalizing on them. And I'm sure there's countless games they have lost over the past. What's it been? at least like five, six years of shitty power plays that they could have won by just scoring on the goddamn power play. And it's just so funny because like, it wasn't all that long ago that the flowers, flyer flowers, the flyers power play was killer. Like when you had uh, Giroux and Voracek and then you had teaming in and hell, even Mark Streit, like when he was around the power play was pretty good too. So like it wasn't that long ago that that was a, a truly effective unit. And now they are just so bad that it's, it's, it's puzzling and it's hard to figure out exactly what it takes to, I mean, I was going to say it's hard to figure out what it takes to fix it. What you need is better players, but 
Um, that's a whole other conversation. But, I mean, it can also be fixed by better coaching, too, and better system. And, like, clearly Mike Yo was not the guy to fix the power play. It ended up being the worst power play in the entire NHL this past season. Well, the interesting thing about Yo is Yo was the guy in charge of the penalty kills. So Yo was actually brought in as more of the defensive expert. And he was right. uh, generally okay throughout his tenure at that. Michel Therrien is really the responsible party for how shitty this power play was. And even before the calls for Vigneault, to be fired were out there there were calls to get rid of Michel Therrien because he was just abysmal and I I didn't know what he brought to the table and he was generally he's the guy who really sparked the nickname ass crew for these guys (laughs) because he's a known asshole as a head coach Michel Therrien is known as a real jerk as a head coach and I just not he didn't seem like a positive guy to have in the locker room in any respect and he couldn't even do his base job of making the Flyers power play better it it has not been good since I'm trying to remember who the the power play coach was a few years ago he's one of the great NHLers I'm gonna have to look this up but it's I'm gonna look him up but I don't know just Michel Terry an abject disaster on the power play I'm glad that, and I mean, this is kind of a given and it was very predictable that he would say this, but I'm glad that Chuck Fletcher in his end of season press conference basically confirmed like, yeah, fixing the power play, like special teams in general, but the power play definitely is like one of the top areas of concern this off season, which like it has to be because you're not going to win games with a power play as inept as the Flyers was this past season. And like, I don't know. We'll we'll see what they end up doing with like free agency, but like I feel like in free agency, like around the draft, you make some trades. Like you have to bring in some players who have performed and will continue to perform on the power play. Like right now, like we've talked about it ad nauseum. You cannot keep bringing in like these, you know, complete two hundred foot players who are good at everything, not great at one particular thing. Like I don't need someone to be great defensively. Like give if you get a winger who scores 40 goals a year, but they're shitty defensively, I don't care. They're scoring lots of goals. A- according to legend, you win hockey games by scoring more goals than the other team. Oh, wow. So maybe it would be smart to bring in players who score lots of goals. And if there are a lot, if the other team scores some goals while they're out there, whatever. Like, it, m- make it at least fun hockey. You know, if you're going to be bad, at least be fun. Don't just be miserable. Don't be miserable, and they've been miserable for as long as I can remember. It's just, it's a shame. It's terrible. And I would just welcome a guy like Boudreaux to inject some fun into the game. But we don't know if he's going to be available. Uh, The Canucks have a few weeks to decide. I think they'd be foolish to not bring him back unless they have a real ace in the hole they, they plan on bringing in. Now, there is a guy who became available just today that is extremely intriguing not fun hockey, but the guy wins. And that's really all anybody cares about at the end of the day. And that's Barry Trotz, the necklace wonder himself. <laughs> Stunningly fired by Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders. The devil himself fired Barry Trotz today. It didn't make any sense because that team sucks. They have no talent. And Barry Trotz really maximized the talent on that team to win. That's what he's done throughout his entire career. The Predators didn't have shit for years, and he always maximized it until they became this just... Whatever they do for defense these days is just unbelievable. Like, they just crank out defensemen, number one defensemen, like it's nothing. But Barry Trotz has just always throughout his career 
done a lot with a little and Washington, he was finally the guy to get them over the hump and win that cup for them. And they just threw him out the door the next day, which is always stunning to me. He's done amazing work with the New York Islanders, a team that really uh, outside of Matthew Barzell, I really don't like that team. I really don't want many guys from that team and envy or have wish I had many guys from that team on my team. That's just they suck. Like, there's not a ton of dynamic talent on that team aside. Like, I know Barzell is dynamic. And even him, like, his numbers aren't really all that amazing. Um, but you know that if he was on, like, Tampa, they'd be in crazy numbers, you know. Oh, sure. But he just doesn't play in a very offense-friendly system. It's like seeing Claude Giroux go to the Panthers and put up over a point a game. It's it exactly yeah, it would because be... he's finally in a system that takes advantage of his skill set. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be boring to have a guy like Barry Trotz, but the dude wins, and he can win with jack shit. So if you actually have a franchise that's willing to bring in talent, like the Flyers, I think you can do amazingly well with Barry Trotz. I would love to see him here. Right. And we talk all the time about, like, what's it going to take to get Provorov back to being, like, a number one defenseman, like like he looked like he was when he was with Matt Niskanen? If Barry Trotz is the exact coach you would want to get Provorov to play his top tier, like the best possible game he can play. If Barry Trotz can't save Ivan Provorov, literally nobody can. Well, I'm not sure. We'll get to this when we talk about the exit interviews, but I'm not sure anybody can save Ivan Provorov's career. I was going to say, like, I wanted it because I don't think we've talked about this at all since since that happened. Like, that was ugly. That was real ugly. Yeah. And Jordan Hall was just asking him a question. He was just like, it wasn't a condescending question. He was just like, hey, like, he was genuinely asking, how do you think you did this year? Like, what do you think? You know, whatever. And then he was just like, you guys are going to write about it. You know, you you are hockey experts. You have your own opinions. My opinion doesn't matter. It's just like, dude, no one is like, what happened to you? Like, just we're asking you a question. It, so that it was, was so really... weird. And, uh, yeah, that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, I feel like. It rubbed me extremely wrong. And we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But yeah, Provorov is a guy that really needs some course correction. But I'm also intrigued, like, you know, obviously Rasmus Ristolainen has a lot to fix in his game. And we have talked about this ad nauseum. I wonder if Boudreaux could, or not Boudreaux, Trotz could do something with Rasmus Ristolainen to fix his game a little bit. Travis Sanheim, it just came off one of his best seasons as a flyer, despite the team being terrible. I, you know, he can go higher. He's got the talent. He's got the raw talent to do it. I would love to see what Trotz could do with him. And Keith Yandel, obviously. No, I'm kidding. Keith Yandel's gone. <laughs> Bring him back. Oh, I think he's back, retiring. Baby. He's got to retire. Come on, retire right now. I'm wait- like, I keep waiting for that announcement because like all the signs are pointing to him announcing his retirement like soon. Like, you know, after the game, everyone was like shaking his hand and thanking him. And like, even in the exit interviews, they were all kind of saying like, hey, like, Sounds like this will be it for him. And like, he still hasn't made that announcement yet. Maybe it's because the Flyers are like negotiating, negotiating a three-year contract extension with him. Maybe he's going to be the new coach. (laughs) Dude, yeah, that would, oh boy. Make him the power play coach. Everybody loves Keith Yandel in the locker room. Why shouldn't he be the coach? Yeah, make him the power play coach. He can tell everybody about how to guard uh, shorthanded goals. Yeah. I'm just, Jesus Christ. So many shorthanded chances, Ryan. So many. He's just flopping. Oh, I got this. <laughs> you don't have shit. Oh, God. I hated watching him. He has so much experience with allowing shorthanded goals, but he still doesn't know how to defend them, really. No so, clue. like, 
I don't know if he should uh, be teaching players how to defend shorthanded rushes I thought, against. I thought Eric Gustafson was going to be the worst defensive player I'd ever seen. And then Keith Yandel. Oh, I know. And the problem is Keith Yandel's such a nice guy. He's beloved in the locker room. He's beloved around the league. He's so nice. And God damn it. Was he unpleasant to watch play hockey this year? It's funny how like, just how bad. So I remember when Ghost was on the team, everyone said Shane Gossespierre is like so bad defensively. Like you, you can't get worse than Ghost defensively. And then they get oh rid of Ghost dear. for they literally gave him to the Coyotes with with baggage too. They gave more picks away too. And then they were just like Eric Gustafson. This is what we need. And then he was worse than Ghost. And then everyone was like, all right, Gustafson, not the answer. Let's get Keith Yandel. He's like at least proven to be very, very good in this league at one point. Let's get him. And then he was worse than Gustafson. It's like this weird thing that's just, it's gotten worse and worse over the last three years. Should have kept Ghost. What? I didn't say that out loud, did I? Yeah. Did I say that out loud? Uh, whatever. Yeah, but back to Barry Trotz. I I think this is a guy who can really maximize talent. He can really, he's not going to be exciting. He plays a real lockdown system. It might be a little boring, but you know what? You get the talent out there. You go get Johnny Hockey. Am I right, folks? Am I right, Johnny Hockey? Bring him home. You go get... The caffeine's really kicking in, if you haven't told. If you can't <laughs> tell. But I don't know. You get the talent. You give him the talent. The Flyers... Look, Comcast might be clueless when it comes to hockey, right? But they, they spend the money. They spend up to the cap and a little bit over, unfortunately, sometimes. But that's not the issue the issue is getting the proper coaching in there the proper talent evaluators so i'm yeah. looking at you chuck come on bud and i i think barry trotz is just such a he's one of the few guys i would actually say is a without a doubt good nhl coach and he's still gonna have some issues you're still gonna have the occasional inexplicable fourth line you know scratch or somebody going up or down the lineup and you don't expect but overall, every coach does that every coach does that people don't want to accept that but and overall barry trotz is i would say a top three if not the best coach in the nhl so yeah lock him down bring him here right now chuck i don't i want to tank next year don't get me wrong but if you can get barry trotz fuck the tank get him in here let's get barry trotz and like maybe you can just have like the worst just because Barry Trotz might not be able to fix everything year one. Like this team is bad enough where I think even with Trotz in the fold, if they had, if they were to get him, they might still be bad enough to get a really high pick next year. And that could be a recipe for success. Like if they continue to be bad, Trotz stays. And then you got like, you know, a really high pick, perhaps Connor Bedard. And then you go from there. Then that would be awesome. That would be a pretty good result. But like, again, that's like the best case scenario for, you know, the flyers future right now, but you know what? Like, like you said, if I know he's not like a fun coach, but winning makes it fun. Even if you're playing a boring type of style, like it becomes fun when the W's are thrown in there. And if he gets this team back to being good again, even if they play not exactly the most exciting style of hockey, let's go for it, dude. Like let's, the goal should be the playoffs always. Like, I mean, that's what we want. But right now we're in a weird situation where we just, there's such little hope where we want to tank. Trotz at the very least gives, gives fans some solace in the fact that he's a very good coach and he can make a team competitive just by being on the bench. Just win, baby. That's what matters. Just win. Always.
Not winning today is one Pierre Maguire, who apparently has been <laughs> fired by the Ottawa Senators. Doc, I got some breaking news, Doc. My ass is out on the street, Doc. I did not hear about this. This, this was just broke an hour ago. Oh, my God, Pierre. You know Pierre. what? Oh, my God. Please, the for flyer. the love of God, I am looking at you. TNT, ESPN, ABC, Anybody who has anything to do with hockey broadcasting, for the love of God, do not hire Pierre Maguire. Maybe he could, could be a good head coach for the Flyers. Oh, my God. If you want to tank for a year. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You hire Pierre Maguire, and he's going <laughs> to creep out every player on that bench, and they're actually going to walk out and protest because he's such a creep. Just getting up in their face going like, hey, TK, I heard back in eighth grade you liked Cindy. Oh, my God. He's such a creep. The Flyers' next GM after Chuck Fletcher. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, God. When even the Ottawa Senators don't want you, that's a That's problem. bad, yeah. Like, when the Senators are saying, yeah, we've had enough of you. Like, salutations, goodbye, thank you for your service. Like, that's <laughs> that's so bad. Like, that's terrible. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, just no more hockey jobs for Pierre McGuire. He's just got to go retire by the lake like all Canadians do. They hang out at a lake in a cabin, and that's the rest of their life. That's what Mike Richards is doing. He's having a wonderful time with it. He's going to get hired somewhere as an analyst. It's going to happen, and it's probably going to be... I, I feel like TNT is smart enough to not do that, and TNT has made some... You know, they've had some audio issues throughout the playoffs, which has been a little weird. Like, there was the robot voice the one day, and then at one point yeah. during the the Maple Leafs and uh, lightning game last night where it sounded like they were doing AM radio, but overall they've made a lot of great decisions. And the best decision they've made is having Jim Jackson for the blues wild series because, Oh man, he's been so good. It's been a delight hearing JJ call real competitive hockey again, <laughs> actual hockey. And as opposed to whatever the hell the flyers are playing, you can tell he's having a blast doing it too. He's just yeah. having a great time. I love it. Jim Jackson, I know you're not listening to this, but we love you. We're just very happy to see you doing quality hockey. Also, Taryn Hatcher. Out I was going to say, Taryn, too. She's doing a great job. She's doing a great job. Just uh, great hockey people right there doing their hockey thing, and I love it. I love to see it. Now, I said previously, just win, baby. That's what it's all about. There's one coaching candidate that would be the just win, baby. Like, it doesn't matter about anything else else just win and i i think there are limits to just win and bringing guys in and this guy is a phenomenal coach but given what's come out about him in the past year this would be just a monumental misfire this is something i do not want as a flyers fan and as somebody who podcasts about this team and loves this team i absolutely do not want this man associated with this team in any way shape or form and that's joel quenville now joel quenville's name has been floated as a coaching candidate around the league, but not necessarily as a coach for the Flyers. So we haven't seen anything concrete saying the Philadelphia Flyers would hire Joel Quinville, but yeah, they have an opening and they are desperate to win hockey games. And Chuck Fletcher is trying to save his job. So if you can do basic math, you have to think he is somebody that they're mulling and considering, but the Panther, well, he had to step down from the Panthers job, right? Like they didn't, actually outright fire him he had i believe down. he was given the opportunity to step down and resign on his own which he did right but quenville for everything he did to make the kyle beach situation worse not firing 
his coach as soon as he found out these just vile things he did. Uh, not putting people before hockey, just disgusting things that happened 12 years ago. And there is no time limit on this kind of character, this kind of mistake that he made. And this is not a guy I want associated with my hockey team. He should never work in hockey again. And I'm not foolish enough to, to think that no team is going to take a risk on him, but I am begging the Philadelphia Flyers to not be that team, to have the moral character to not take this man back on. He's made his money. He's just going to retire and he should just retire and go about his way. He shouldn't be coaching hockey teams again. Yeah, it, it's a lot. It, it's it, it just wouldn't. Uh, I know they're desperate to win hockey games, and I know he is a very, very good hockey coach. But like, this is where you really have to think from a moral standpoint. Think like, would it be, would it be justified to bring this person in, like from like a human perspective? And like, the answer to that clearly is no. Like, he did horrible things when he was with Chicago, and did he do anything to Kyle Beach directly? Well. Kind of, yes. Like, he he wasn't the one who, you know, did the whole thing, but he allowed everything to happen, and he kept Kyle Beach from having really a voice in anything. So, um, yeah, no. Like, bringing Coach Q in would be absolutely just horrible for the Flyers. And um, it would be a whole PR disaster. And I, I just don't know. Like, would they be that desperate to bring someone like him in? I really hope they wouldn't be, but like, that's the most annoying thing about this team right now is like, who who knows? Who knows what they'll do? They might be that desperate. And if they are, boy, that's really, that's just an ugly, ugly thing to think about. It is a very ugly thing to think about. And it just the fact that Quenville would just not take action on Brad Aldrich like he did. And because you had to think about the team, you didn't want to distract the team going on a cup run. It's just such bullshit. And it's stuff that it just makes you sick to hear about. It would make me sick to see this man behind the Flyers bench every night. Frankly, I'm not sure I can do it if the Flyers hire him. I think it would just make me so just viscerally angry to see him there every night. I don't know what I'd do if they actually pulled the trigger on this. I, I really hope that Chuck Fletcher is not even considering this, but you have to think that they are because he's desperate to keep his job. And I, I would love a statement saying that they're, I, I think he should be banned from the NHL entirely, but he this is be. such a league of cowards. Gary yeah. Bettman would never do that. And he should do that. I think anybody associated with that team that had knowledge should be banned from hockey. I just don't like I just don't trust any NHL team including the Flyers to have any any semblance of of moral standards with things like this. Like look at the Browns. They trade for Deshaun Watson with all these legal suits like against him right now. Like dozens of women have come out saying that he sexually assaulted them and now he's rewarded by being given basically the starting quarterback job of the Browns and they give him the biggest, most expensive contract ever given to a quarterback in league history. Like how, what, what kind of precedent does that set? You know what I mean? And oh, like, it was absolutely right, disgusting. I know that's football and not hockey, but it's, it's sports in general. It's like, Oh, well, you know, he might not be a good person, but we want to win games. It's like, no, you need to think like, 
think from a imagine if that was your daughter or imagine if that was your son who was Kyle Beach's situation like like the, it seems like they're just robots and mm -hmm. they're just picking they're just bringing people in because they just want results and it, it's just insane to me it's a cruel reminder that sports is a business at the end of the day and it's about yeah. people making money and winning equals money and it, it sucks it sucks to hear this kind of stuff and i i feel like the past three four years have been so difficult with sports in that regard because we're seeing more about people's political views than we've ever seen before we're seeing more about just terrible things we're finding out more about terrible things people have done because people have thankfully been willing to come forward and you know just given the frankly general state of america it is getting more and more difficult to kind of talk to yourself and enjoy this stuff and separate that stuff, right? Like it's very difficult to separate that stuff and you shouldn't have to separate that stuff because this stuff doesn't belong in sports. These people don't belong in these multi-million dollar entertainment jobs. They should be, I don't know, doing anything else. I shouldn't have to feel dirty about rooting for the Philadelphia Flyers. And thank yeah. God the Eagles didn't make that trade for Deshaun Watson because the Eagles oh. were heavily rumored to be in there yeah. for a while. Like they were one of the top contenders that were mentioned over and over as a potential trade. And, you know, I had enough problems even accepting Michael Vick as Eagles quarterback. I yeah. still have trouble with Michael Vick during his tenure. And that's a guy who actually, you know, went to prison and did time for his crimes. He actually yeah. did the time. And that at least I could tell myself about Michael Vick. He he had done his time. He had repented. He had learned. And Deshaun Watson is a guy who just has been accused of things. He actually was, was he acquitted in court? Or did it just dismiss the charges or something like that? There's something going on with that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he, like he's definitely, I don't think he's getting jail time. I think the only thing that's they're waiting to hear about now is like, will he be suspended for this season? Right. But something smells funny there. And it's weird. We've, yeah. We've seen this in the NFL before, uh, namely Ben Roethlisberger, who is a, a man who I am always disgusted to see on the screen. And yeah. uh, he had accusations levied against him a long time ago. And they have not, he has not shaken them with anybody but Pittsburgh Steelers fans. He just has not. And it makes it difficult to just continue to watch this entertainment when these men are just doing these terrible things. And I, I man, I, I don't want to even question my Philadelphia Flyers fandom. And if Joel Quenville's on that bench, I'm sure as shit questioning it. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, like you bring up the Michael Vick thing and how he learned, like he is now allowed to have a dog by law. I know for a while he wasn't allowed to have a dog because of obviously what he did, but he has done so much work in for like, you know, shelters and helping, you know, dogs that have been um, neglected or abused and caring for them at shelters or, or wherever, like uh, animal hospitals, things like that, that like it was clear that he learned from his mistake. And that's why like, when I look back at Michael Vick's time with the Eagles, I look back upon them fondly, even though when they first signed him, I was like, what the hell are you doing right now? You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it became clear that he did learn from his mistakes. Jo Joel Quenville 
didn't learn a thing. In fact, he was actively trying to sweep it under the rug for years and years and years. And the entire NHL was still trying to sweep it under the rug. Oh, yeah. They would have kept that hidden forever if they could. have. Yes. He wouldn't have said anything. And that's the thing. Like, it would have been bad enough if he, like, this, no matter what he, if he ignored it and came out the year, like, that offseason after they won the cup and then said something, that's still terrible. But at least you're saying something. Don't get me wrong. That's still the worst thing in the world. He straight up just ignored the whole thing and it was never going to say anything. And that's just unspeakably terrible. And I just don't, yeah, I, I don't know how you can bring that guy in with good conscience, conscience thinking that he should be the head coach of a hockey team still. Brad Aldrich ruined multiple lives with his just, his crimes. We're just going to put it out there like it is, his crimes. And everybody that took part in covering those up should not ever get a good night's sleep for the rest of their lives and they shouldn't be allowed to work in hockey so they should the not have any jobs yeah in the nhl absolutely not for the love of god flyers do not even consider this for a day again we haven't heard any reports that they are but we're nipping this in the bud and we're saying for the love of god no no god no like michael scott style <laughs> yeah not a chance not on my watch trots boudreau Good coaches could be out there. We've talked before about Jim Montgomery. There, I'm sure, a million untapped guys out there. Just not this guy. That's another thing. Like, especially with all these other extremely qualified coaches like Trotz, like Boudreaux, like Montgomery, like Tortorella even. Like, there are people out here who out, who are available right now who have won Stanley Cups in the past or have come close. And, like, if you say, oh, to hell with them, we want to bring in Coach Q. That's just batshit crazy to me. That's a slap in the face to every Flyers fan with even an inch of moral fiber to them. Like, it, yeah. it, and the sad part is, if he wins, I'm sure people are going to accept it, but I, I'm i going to have a reckoning to do with my Flyers fandom if it comes to that. Yeah, that would be that would be hard to deal with. It'd be hard to deal with for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and talk about some exit interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. 
You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, as we alluded to before, the Flyers did their exit interviews. What do they call that? Breakup day, Ryan? I think they called it breakup day. And break Steph day. actually had a great tweet. <laughs> she, I think she said something along the lines of, uh, oh, cool. I'm breaking up with you two Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, you know, it kind of feels like that sometimes. But, uh, it, it just was a, it was mostly run of the mill for the exit interviews. But there were a couple big highlights. One of them, we found out that Samuel Moran's, uh, and well, actually, I think that came out in Chuck Fletcher's presser that Samuel Moran's uh, NHL yeah. career is over, which that's a shame. I know I have been a, a critic of the draft pick before and the player because there was a lot of hype around him. Unfair hype, I will say, about him being the next Chris Pronger because he was drafted around the time where Pronger was, I believe, injured and his NHL career was ending and Samuel Morant's pure size made that exciting to think about having another Chris Pronger. So people unfairly labeled him with that. And there was a lot of hype around him, but essentially it came down to the fact that he was just a large player. But my criticism aside, this is a guy who loves hockey. And this is a guy who unfortunately due to the injuries he suffered, never really got us, got a chance to show us exactly what he could do at the NHL level. And you have to feel really bad for him. Everybody who talked about Samuel Moran said, this guy just loves playing hockey. He loves having a job in hockey. And it's one of those people, like he's a good guy who just wanted to play the game he loved professionally and, and never really got quite the shot that he, he deserved. And it was all injuries. I mean, who knows? It would have been interesting to see how he was as a player had he had no knee issues. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if he would have been like a full-time NHL quality player um, if he didn't have those that injury history. But like those knee problems just destroyed him. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a shame because he really was. He seemed like such a good person and he did enjoy playing the game so much and um, I never talked to Sam Moran or anything like that, but everything I've heard is it's nothing but glowing praise for him as a human being. And it, it is a bummer to see his career end this way, but at the very least, it's kind of cool to know that he will, it's, it seems that he has enough respect from this organization and in hockey in general, that, um, he will have some sort of future in hockey working professionally, just not as a player. Yeah, and that's one thing that the Flyers have generally throughout their history been very good at is helping their alumni out, helping them get involved in the game of hockey professionally. And, you know, I'd love to see him succeed. Maybe he can get into coaching or something like that. Moran for head coach. <laughs> there you go. No, I wouldn't <laughs> wish that. I wouldn't even wish that on Mike Yo for the next season. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see him succeed for sure. And, you know, I've. I just feel bad sometimes because I, I did have those like harsh words about, Oh, he's just big. That's all he's got. But I did truly feel like that at the time. And unfortunately he never got to prove me wrong. And I, I feel so bad for him. And, you know, I feel bad for the Moran mafia today. That's a, the first, I think group that I came up with out of Flyperbole, the Moran mafia. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss you Moran mafia. I'm definitely going to miss you. Yeah, that was a, uh, there were some good times, some bad times. Perhaps mostly bad, but you know what? I'll always appreciate the Moran Mafia. And uh, I will always appreciate uh, Sam Moran because I will never forget. This is one of the only like really memorable things that I remember from his uh, time on the ice with the Flyers. But um, I remember, I think it was a couple years ago, 
he dropped the gloves with, uh, oh God, what's his name? Ross Johnston on the <laughs> New York Islanders. And at the time, Ross Johnston was known as like one of the tougher dudes, one of the better fighters in the entire NHL. They dropped the gloves and Moran rocked him like, like TKO type style. Like he, he rocked him good and he sent him down. And that was that enough was just like, wow. Okay. This I'm going to remember this forever. It's kind of a shame. We didn't even get to see him at the AHL level where he could have just beaten the shit out of guys and we could have enjoyed it. in a very, I, I know this is a reference before your time, Ryan, but I'm sure a lot of listeners will know who I'm talking to about when I mentioned Frank Bialois, the animal Frank, the animal Bialois, who, <laughs> basically made an entire career at the minor league level by just beating the shit out of guys. He was just a minor league goon for the Phantoms and he made Phantoms games a genuine blast. It's like, uh, what's his name? Doug Glatt from Goon? A hundred percent. Frank Lois is basically the real life Doug Glatt. I feel like it is a shame that that never really came into fruition for, uh, for Moran, but like, I don't know. I, that's I'll just I'll always remember that. I mean, he could really throw him, and it's a shame we didn't get to see him. You know, go at it more. But um, I will always love that he took out Ross Johnston like that that one night. That yeah. was boy, did that feel good. As a big boy right there, Samaran, just a, a a huge force right there. And it's a shame we never got to see exactly what he could make out of an NHL career. I mean, if he could have been even just like a bottom pairing guy, that would have been awesome just to yeah. just be out there. And the other fight I remembered, uh, I saw somebody post about this the other day, was against uh, Brennan Lemieux. I didn't even remember that fight. I'm pulling it up right now, and... It's a beatdown. He just basically threw two punches at Lemieux and took him down. <laughs> that well, Brendan Lemieux was a pain in the ass, so I don't miss him. But you know, it's a best of luck to Sam Moran moving forward. Uh, you know, just damn man, that just is a shame about that injury. And on the injury front, right there, our biggest question for the past I don't know five months has been. Where the hell is Ryan Ellis? What's Ryan Ellis up to? What's wrong with Ryan Ellis? And <laughs> we finally, finally saw the elusive Ryan Ellis out He's here. alive. He's alive. After we talked about actually having no idea what's going on, because people were spreading rumors, oh, he's upset with the team. He's pissed off. Nobody's seen him for a while. Oh, he's, he wants out. And he thankfully appeared on exit interview day, like real late in the day. He was one of the last guys there. And... I believe he talked with Chuck Fletcher before he came out there. And thankfully, Ryan Ellis came and threw some water on all these flames. He doused a bunch of flames and talked about his injury. And, you know, they talked about just plan moving forward. And they finally seem like they figured out what's wrong with him. Uh, So it sounds like we weren't the only ones who didn't know what was wrong with him. Even Ryan Ellis and his doctors didn't know. And it sounds like it was in the pelvic region, which... uh, not fun to deal with. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, Mark Streit, as we all know, broke his dick. He's never the same. <laughs> broke his penis. It's, it's no good. Nobody wants that. But it does. <laughs> it sounds like these guys are, are at least hopeful that he'll be ready for the next season. He'll be out there. And just one of the biggest torture points from this past season was those few games that we got of Ryan Ellis. And he was, Dude, so, he was so good. Goddamn good. And the fact that we only got what, three, four games of that is just a, a travesty. I believe he leads all uh, defensemen in the uh, NHL to play this season in points per game. 
Sounds I right. Mean, he had like he had like four or five points in like three games. <laughs> like as I said before, I'll take that handful of games of Ryan Ellis over what Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick would have brought to the table. This season. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yes. Absolutely. I make that and trade every what, time, like, no matter I think, what. <laughs> I think him just talking alone is enough to kind of give some fans some solace in the fact that like okay so he doesn't hate it here like he came out like he said he confirmed that he likes philadelphia his family loves it here he's enjoyed everything about it he says like the worst part about all this is just the fact that he hasn't been able to play and that's why it's been one of the most challenging years of his life not because he's on the flyers it's because he's on the flyers and not playing for the flyers that's the problem and so once he gets back to being healthy um and again, we don't know exactly how long that will take. We don't know if, like, there's still a lot of gray area there. We're not totally sure about a lot of, you know, specifics on his injury. But um, it sounds like he'll be ready for training camp, and we'll go from there. And it should, from what I can understand, it'll, it, it he should be back to his normal self. But it does sound like it is a complex, complicated issue that will take a little bit of time to to get rectified. I'll be honest, I'll take 75% of Ryan Ellis, you know, like it's just yeah. that much of an improvement, even a 70% Ryan Ellis over the other Flyers defenseman is just heads and tails. Like it, it, a 70% Ryan Ellis versus a hundred percent Rasmus Ristolainen. I take that 70% Ryan Ellis all day, every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Ryan Ellis, he's alive. The beard is still intact. It still looks good. So that's at least some potentially positive news. The one takeaway I had from the exit interviews, and I think a lot of people feel the same way about this, was the reaction of one Ivan Provorov. We talked about Provy before, and he just came out of the gate confrontational. He was not happy to see the press. And you'd think that everybody was just writing hit pieces on this guy all the time and completely unwarranted hit pieces. He just did not have a good season. And... They didn't even come out confrontational. I think Jordan Hall just had a very basic question. He responded with, I mean, no matter what I say, you guys are going to give me your own grades. So it doesn't matter. You're all experts in hockey. So you're going to give me your all super experienced grades. I don't think my opinion really matters to you guys. I don't need it to write any glory. I don't need anyone to write glory stories on me. I loved glory stories there for the record. You all have an opinion and I have my opinion. It just... That like that to me sounds like someone who is just um, like insecure. Yes. And it's like, if you listen, we've talked a lot about what a good Philly athlete is recently, like with all the Ben Simmons drama and everything. If you want to make it in this city, you have to be um, introspective enough to realize like, I haven't been playing well. Could I be playing better? Yes the best thing to do for him, like even if he thinks he he has been playing to the best of his ability, you don't come out and like just throw a fit like that. Like you can always be better. No one, like even the greatest hockey players in the world will always wish that they could have done something different or something better. I'm sure of it. Let's talk about Joel Embiid who just came back from a an orbital bone injury in his face yes. and a concussion. And I think he's still concussed, unfortunately. But he came back and he played in game three of this series. And they just uh, the Sixers just tied the series up at two after winning both home games with Embiid back in the lineup. But Embiid came back in 
put up 18 points with a face mask on because, again, he broke a bone in his face and was concussed, and he still got his thumb injury. And yeah. he put up 18 points. And then in the post game, he said, yeah, I could have been better. He said, I think he said he sucked. He said he sucked. <laughs> I think he said he was like, a t- it was, that he was just like terrible all night. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, it's, it's cool. <laughs> like you're a broken man. Like we don't blame you at all for not having a 40 point game or anything like that. You came back in like half a man. Like you are basically RoboCop at this point. And <laughs> yeah. you still brought your team that you led your team to victory. And you don't have to do all that, Ivan. You don't have to do all that, but you do have to just say the right things. And honestly, this is a bare minimum situation. You just say like, well, yeah. we got to play better next season. And that's it. That's all you got to say. <laughs> Keep it simple. Just be better. Or it's like in a, don't, I don't know talk how, to the like, press. I don't know if you're like a huge, huge uh, game. We've talked about video games before. I don't know if you've played the new God of War that came out a few years ago. I have. But there, there's this one part where like, Kratos' son is just like, I'm sorry, daddy. He's like, don't be sorry. Be better. And like, <laughs> that's what I want to tell Ivan forever. I'm like, dude, no, we're not like, we're not mad at you. We just want you to be better. Now we're mad at you because you're getting all defensive. And it sounds like everything, like the way he was talking, it's like he thinks he's doing everything right. And like he's he's playing the best hockey of his career and he, there's nothing more he can do. And it's just like, dude. If this is all you got, you're not going to make it in this town or any town. Yeah, I mean, you might as well reunite him with Shane Goss Despair in Arizona right now, where yeah. there is basically no fan base. There's literally just going to be 5,000 fans a game at those games moving forward. I, I don't know. This sounds like a guy who needs a fresh start desperately, and I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know what the value is going to be, because he really did play pretty poorly last season, and I don't want him to play poorly. I don't want him to be pissy. I want him to be good, because I know he can be good. Yes, I was I was so close to buying an Ivan Provorov jersey earlier this season because like I have had huge respect for him ever since they drafted him. I wanted he was one of the guys that like that year I was like Provorov, bring him in, let's get him, let's do this. And he showed early signs of being amazing. Like he had that one year with Niskanen where he was outstanding, and then the year with uh, Gostaspare where the two like they were one of the best defensive tandems in the entire NHL that year. And he has just fallen from grace ever since that Niskanen season. And like, there's really no, he doesn't seem to have an explanation for it. And like, I I don't think anybody really does, Uh, but it's just regardless of what the cause is, he's not playing to the standard that we've, that we became used to at the time. And we know he can be better. And he's just, for whatever reason, he seems to be so complacent with, his play right now and it's just like dude you know what like maybe it is time for his fresh start somewhere and i wrote something a little earlier this year basically saying like is it time for pro rob to go somewhere else and you know what i wouldn't even be mad if they traded him this offseason i feel like it might be a mutual thing thing where it's like you know what let's move on to someone else as our number one defenseman ivan clearly you are somewhere that we are not going or you're i don't know but Seems like you could use a fresh start, so let's put you somewhere else. And I wouldn't yeah. be mad if they end up doing going that route. No, I wouldn't be angry either. I think it's it's best for both parties yeah. to, to kind of separate at this point. But, you know, there's things that you should say in this situation. And if you look at 
Cam Atkinson, for instance. Cam Atkinson oh, said God. everything you want somebody to say in that yeah. situation. I think he even said, I won the team MVP, but I don't deserve it. He said something along those lines saying, you know, I don't think anybody deserved it this year. And that's what you say. He, he knows that he needs to be better. He knows that the Flyers did not have a good season. And Cam Atkinson's one of the few guys I gave a pass to for the season yeah. because he he, you know, he was playing his ass off every night and he was putting up points and he was a lot of fun. He was one of the few guys I had fun watching play hockey this season or even Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny talked about doing, reviewing some analytics with Danny Briere, which I loved, by the way, yeah. that they're doing that. That's a great start for Danny Briere right there. But Konechny is talking about how he's trying to improve himself as a hockey player and recognizing that this was not an ideal season. In fact, it was a disaster of a season. And I think you're kidding yourself if you're trying to say it's otherwise. Yeah. And like, it, I don't know the, the whole, it all comes down to like, if you're a true leader, it, it comes down to being like uh just being a decent human at that point. When you, when it, like, I understand being pissed off about the season. I get it. I understand why Ivan Brovrov might've felt unhappy with how everything has turned out. But like, Look at Atkinson, look at Konechny. They're taking it the right way. And it just comes down to like common courtesy and manners. And, you know, th that's those are signs of true leaders. And that's why I'm so excited, um, you know, with Cam Atkinson. And I hope he sticks around. Like we, we've we talked before about like, would you be surprised if they trade Atkinson? I I, I think nothing is off the table uh, right now with this team. So like, no trades would surprise me. Yeah, no, not at all. But like, man. Is he an easy dude to root for? You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Atkinson, I think he's TK, really, he seems to have matured a lot too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it just comes down to just taking accountability and just the way he came across in that exit interview was just, it was not, it was ugly. It was a bad look. Yeah. Real bad look. And I also love the, the bizarre ending to that one where... <laughs> Good friend, Slam and Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Just can't stay off the pod. Slam and Sammy asked him <laughs> about going to Russia in the offseason for workouts. And it's like, Sam, I do. are you trying to like bait these players with their opinions on Russia and Ukraine and everything? I, I don't really understand why he asked that there. And even Provorov was kind of, uh, okay. I understand. Like, I understand asking are you going back to russia this summer like i get that but he was like clearly trying to get something like controversial or some sort of something about the russia news like out of him and it's just like dude what are you doing like <laughs> and, like provorov's response to that i i didn't honestly hate that much because i'm just like dude what are you what are you doing right now like, oh i would have been I would have been furious yeah. if he had asked me about that. Like, I don't understand the Jordan Hall response because Jordan Hall is a good guy and just asked, you know, like asked him about his season, right? Jordan it's like Hall, asking, Jordan how's Hall your day never, going? Yeah. He like never tries to ruffle feathers like that. Like he asks good questions and he's never trying to, he would never put a hit piece out on someone. And I just don't understand why him of all people received Barovarov's negative response like that. It's yeah. just, it's very odd to me. Yeah, it's just very odd, but it's. I think that was just directed to the entire media. He came out ready to fight people, basically. And, you know, yeah. Sam, unfortunately, we kind of expect this. It almost feels like it's kind of been amplified since he went from the Enquirer to Philly Hockey now, but it's. 
I don't know. And then he also came out this week trying to stir the pot for a goaltender controversy because uh, Ivan Fedotov <laughs> yeah. is coming over for the Flyers. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's a Russian goalie prospect for the Flyers. He's huge. And he just came off. He was playing in net for Russia at the Olympics, right? He was. And he was outstanding for the entire tournament. He had, uh, I believe it was maybe like one or two games where um, he looked not not. Definitely not bad, but just like not on his A game. But like for the most part, he was he was one of the best players in the entire tournament. He was really, really good. Um, I think routinely it was like one either he just got a shout out or allowed one goal. And he just yeah, he really impressed me. He was one of the stars of the entire of the entire men's uh, men's tournament there. That's awesome. That's super exciting. But also, he's not ready to take on Carter Hart and take on the starting goaltending role. And it's also not the time to stir the pot with Carter Hart, especially yeah. after he just signed a contract. Because like, I I hate this stirring the pot shit. I think people who have listened to this for a while will know that I hate hot take radio. I hate that kind of just attitude and everything. And to see this kind of stuff just makes me roll my eyes. Yeah, like the thing with goalies is like Ivan Fedotov, even though he was good at the Olympics, he's not like some world renowned, like next prodigy goalie type situation. Like, I think he's what, 25? Yeah, he's 25 years old. He's not, he's never played an NHL game. Like, I just can't put stock into someone who is coming to North America for the first time. And thinking, oh, yeah, they're, like, going to push someone for the number one starting job. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? They haven't even played an NHL game before. And he hasn't even played in an AHL game, which yeah. is still uh, the pace level versus, you know, amateurs is still pretty high up there. Yeah. Like, granted, he's shown really good promise in the KHL, which is a great league. But again, that's a completely different league from the NHL. They have bigger ice. It's a, it's a whole different monster. So, like, to say that he's going to – that there's a possible controversy, he's like, what are you talking about, dude? It's like Carter Hart is the number one. Like, if there's any doubt, don't doubt it at all. Carter Hart's number one, and Fedotov is going to compete. He's not even guaranteed to be the number two. He's going to compete to be the number two guy. The guy needs a season in the AHL. It's that simple. And yeah. I, I'm sure Martin Jones is probably going to be back next season as the number two or another experienced NHL guy. And yeah. that's what it should be. Or he, should you have know an what? Experienced... even Sandstrom. Like, I know Sandstrom isn't exactly, you know, some sort of – he's not promising as a number two either. But, like, at some point I feel like they're going to want him to get some sort of experience. Maybe he'll be the number two next year. I don't know. But, like – That's if... fine. Give the Sandstorm a shot. And if it doesn't work out, honestly, tank for Bedard. Yeah. Like, give Fedotov some time in the AHL for a little bit. And if he's doing really well over there, then you call him up to be the number two. But I feel like immediately granting him, giving him the crown of like, yep, you're the number two goalie and you might get the starting job. It's like, no, that's not a realistic. No, that's just not in the cards, I don't think. Well, it's just trying to stir stir controversy up where there is no controversy. And it's just you're you're pumping a dry well, bud. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. (sighs) <sighs> Slam and Sammy never ceases to amaze. I mean, that <laughs> was one of those were my main takeaways from from breakup day right there. But the the Ivan Provorov thing is really concerning moving forward. It's 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 going to be another interesting offseason, folks. Let me tell you. 
But we've gone on a nice hour and a half already, and uh, I got to get going. So we're gonna, we got a couple things we want to do today. We're going to get pushed. Uh, playoff talk took a bit more, and the Flyers coaching talk really came out of nowhere, especially with the Barry Trotz news today. And just make the right decision, Chuck. Come on, Barry Trotz, let's make it happen. Trotz or Boudreaux, give me one of those two, and I'll be a happy man. Yeah, I'll be happy with them. Or a new guy. I'm totally fine going completely new. I know we had a bad experience with Hackstall, but it doesn't always end poorly, guys. Stevie Y makes it work every time. (laughs) This is true. Just be like Stevie Y. Make the right hire. That's all you have to do. Very simple. I love Stevie Y. The Red Wings are going to be, and we're going to find this out when we do compare our teams, but the Red Wings are going to be a force again before you know it. Oh, yeah. That's because Stevie Y is just that good. I can't wait to see what uh, Stevie Y's Red Wings look like in the next couple of years. It's going to be fun. Uh, he's very, very good at his job. Folks, that's all we got for you. And it was plenty. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. Ryan, where can people find you on the Twitters? People can find me on the Twitters at Ryan Quiggs. Oh, wow. You can find wow. me at Fly Purpley or at Estee Bomb. If it's for hockey purposes, make it Fly Purpley. Estee Bomb's for all the other shit. There you go. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, follow us on a variety of social medias. And just wanted to say it is a real hellscape out there and it's getting worse in this dystopia right now. So just do your part, be kind to others. And, uh, you know, if you can donate to a worthy cause, and I think people know what I'm alluding to without alluding to it directly, I say please donate, please contribute to those worthy causes because they need your help very desperately. All right, folks, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.